Get the new Donkey Kong 64 bundle with the banana yellow game pack and the new jungle green N64 console. It's got a jungle green controller and comes with the N64 expansion pack. The Donkey Kong 64 bundle. It's more fun than a bunch of baboons with a bundle of bananas. Yo, listen up. We will not live in a two-dimensional world. We won't go in one direction or see what we can say. We will walk through walls. We will take a look around us. We will not be confined. We believe in the path of least limits. We won't be told how to view the world. We will experience true freedom. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. We will change the system. Change the system. It's Ferret 64 with your host, Yemi the Ferret. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret64 with me, your host, Jamie the Ferret. Hope you all had a great week and or weekend, and I hope you're having a good day, whatever day you're listening to this podcast on. Yes, this is the podcast about video game news and video game occurrences in me own life. Uh, hope you hope you enjoy this episode. Yes. <laughs> we are getting close to the end of October, which means that uh, the horror games are going to keep coming until the 31st, and we'll finish up, if we're playing one, we'll finish it up um, on the Twitch channel, we'll finish it, and then that'll be the end of the horror game, redemp- not redemptions, but just the horror game choosings, I guess you could say. Uh, haven't We haven't actually gotten through as many as last year, I don't think. Um, they're taking a little bit longer uh, this year, but that's okay. Uh, we just finished Doom 64 on the channel, which was a pretty okay-ish, good-ish experience. And we're going to be moving on to The Thing, which is a PS2 game based off of the movie. So I'm really interested to see what that's going to be all about, because I know literally nothing about it other than that the game is a game. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, let me talk about a few games that I've been pay- playing this past week. And of course, I think... I think we got to start with Metroid Dread, which is um, the biggest game out right now. I think Nintendo chose a good time to put this out because, you know, a few years ago they released Luigi's Mansion 3 on Halloween Day. And I'm like, look, this is a game that, like, you should play all through October, not just the end of October. Obviously, people would play it after October, sure, but I'm just saying, like, for a game like that, it's good to release it maybe earlier on in October so that people can experience throughout the month of October. They didn't do that. Metroid Dread, they did. And Metroid Dread, even though it's not like a spooky, scary, you know, ghosts and goblins type game, it still has a little bit of that, um... You know, you get a, you get a little frightened when the uh, when the robot comes around and tries to sniff you out. You know, but uh, Metroid Dread. This is my f- um, this is my second Metroid experience. I was gonna say first, but this is actually my second one because I've played a fair amount of um, Super Metroid. Super Metroid is the one that I've played a little bit of. I wouldn't say a little bit. I played about I played a couple hours now. I think more like I think four or five ish hours of the game. And Metroid is one of those games where it's like you feel like you're doing a lot and you feel like you're getting through things like super fast for some reason. And then you look at your overall completion and it says like 12% and you go, oh shit. <laughs> That's how I felt with Super Metroid because I felt like I was exploring all these areas uh, and I was fighting all these like mini bosses and bosses and I was doing all this stuff and 
you know, you look at your completion percentage and it's like, you're 20% of the game. It's like, I've been playing for five hours. So, uh, with Metroid Dread, uh, obviously I think that the game is a little bit more streamlined in terms of like, it's kind of a little bit easier to kind of know where you need to go. You know, once you get something specific, I think it's a lot easier to be like, oh, I can now go here or, oh, I remember seeing a door that needed this. And you can kind of backtrack and or loop around to it, depending on how the game wants you to do it. And I didn't feel that, like, I didn't feel that it was, like, too hand-holdy, because there were still areas where I kind of got pseudo-lost, and I was just kind of running around in a circle for a little bit until finally finding, oh, there was a wall that you could break here, or, oh, I didn't notice that this door was a charge shot, you know, something like that. So far, I'm I'm really I'm enjoying the game a lot, and I feel like this is an okay place to start uh, a Metroid journey. You know, I've heard people say a lot of times that the story for the series it doesn't matter as much. You know, uh, but they do recap what happened, and I I'm pretty sure it happened in like uh, what's it called, Samus Returns, Samus Returns. Uh, where you go to a planet and you're trying to find like these blobs and you morph with a blob or you get like <sighs> something something happens and you it changes like so that you're you're immune to like the effects of the blob and um, you're lured to this planet because a blob is spotted and uh, the robots that were sent there to search it out they're called Emmy robots or whatever droids whatever you want to call them. They seem to have been like either reprogrammed or their protocols are a bit of it on the fritz. So they ca- they hunt you in these specific areas, um, and uh, it, those moments are pretty intense, especially uh, before you get like any of your uh, like super moves or anything like that. Um, and once you once you even once you do get some of your moves like the camouflage or the dash move, it still can be a bit of like a you know, uh, sometimes it can be a little bit annoying, you know, you're trying, you're like banging your head against a wall, doing the same thing over and over and over again until it finally works, or, you know, you finally get a little bit lucky, you know, um, but for the most part, I've been finding it, uh, pr- pretty fun, um, to try and get around the, the Emmys and stuff like that. Sometimes I don't understand their pattern, because, um, you know, I'll latch onto a ceiling with the magnetic, the magnet thing, and I'll go, th- go in the camouflage, and I haven't moved in, like, a minute. And the Emmy will come around, he'll jump on the ceiling and bump into me for what for what seems like no reason. Um, and sometimes that'll happen. And you do have two chances to escape uh, the Emmy, and uh, it, it's it's a, it's pretty pinpoint precise. You have to try and predict when the flash is going to happen, the, the, the prompt you to press Y. I've done it a fair amount of times now. I, I saw someone saying that it was a little bit too difficult, or they could never do it. And, I mean... Maybe it's just a skill gap type thing. I mean, I'm pretty used to visual cues and pressing buttons pretty fast. I've escaped the Emmy more times than um, than I can count at this point. Uh, not, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, you know, I've lost track of the number, but it's still not easy. I fail probably ninety percent of the time. There was one time I was, I did it like two times in a row, and I was like, ho, ho, ho. you know, I felt really confident. Um, and I think I ended up dying anyways. But yeah, you know, you kind of feel pretty good when you do it. And it's, it's a cool little animation where you, 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 you like, get, you escape it, and it's st- it's stunned for a few seconds. And uh, the only way to beat the Emmy is to get, like, this charge-up attack. 
Um, and that also can be a bit intense because the thing's walking towards you as you're charging up your beam, and your beam charges at the last second, and you shoot it at its face, and it falls over. Um, and they usually give you a pretty good power, um, and so do the bosses as well. The first boss that I fought, I, I think it's a boss, he could, go, he could go invisible, he had like this uh, scorpion tail and stuff like that. It was a pretty cool boss fight. Um, I saw people comparing, like, the Metroid Dread boss fight to one from, like, God of War with a dragon. I mean, it's it's a real it's a real tough comparison. I mean, it's 2D versus 3D, one one thing. And then the other thing is, like, you gotta look at, like, the, like what the game is, you know? Like, Metroid is a 2D sci-fi side-scrolling adventure, while God of War is a 3D, you know, beat-em-up, hack-and-slash type game. So obviously, you know, the cinema, like everything's going to be a little bit different. I, I don't understand where people's comparisons are coming from. Like, maybe it's just because God of War was a $60 game when it released and also Metroid Dread was. But then again, I mean, game pricing isn't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of games out there that could be, you know, worth more money. You know, like you, you see, you see it come up in conversation all the time. I think, I think Hollow Knight is worth more than they're selling it on Steam, but the fact that they're selling it low you know, that, that's competition for Metroid, right? Um, and, and it was filling a void for, for the Metroid franchise. Um, and this being a, a new Metroid game after, like, what, 10-plus years of, of of game silence on, on the series, um, you know that they're, you know, they're going to try and milk it a little bit, but I, I, I do think that the price, I mean, it's I, I feel like it's reasonable for what what they're offering. You know, the, the game is going to take me a while to get through, for sure, and... Um, there is a fair bit amount of challenge to it as well, and obviously there's a little bit of replayability in there and stuff like that. Obviously, people are gonna—I think people are gonna really enjoy it. Um, who are fans of Metroid? I think that anyone who's a fan of a Metroid of, of the Metroid franchise is gonna like this. And even me, as like I'm not like a huge fan of it, but I do like the sci-fi worlds and concepts. And even though I've only played like a demo of the Metroid game, one of the Metroid games on. Um, GameCube, and I've played a bit of Super Metroid, I, I am a little bit of a fan, and as I play Metroid Dread more and more, I feel like I'm becoming more of a fan, it just, it is, it is connecting with me, that's the thing, like, I, I, I'm, I, you know, going into this year, like, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of the Metroidvania genre, right, I played Symphony of the Night, I found it, a, you know, I found it, like, a, a very, I don't know, I, I just didn't like it as I was playing through it, um, the Upside Down Castle, I guess, really triggered me. But I feel like if I go back now and play that with, like, my newfound sense of, like, hmm, maybe I am a Metroidvania fan. Uh, maybe I would enjoy it more. It, it's hard to say. But back to Metroid Dread. I, I feel like the game looks really, actually does look pretty good. Um, there's not much, like, in, in terms of, like, cutscene and stuff like that. When there are cutscenes, it is a really, like, nice-looking cutscene, and... It seems to run pretty well in handheld mode on my original Switch. Um, it, there are a few frame rate drops here or there when it gets at the when um, when the cutscene gets maybe a little intense, but I've never felt any type of frame rate drop or slowdown during the actual game itself. And and like I and you know as I said before you know a few seconds ago, the, it was very an un, it was it's it's so far an uncommon thing for the game to slow down and. You know, they obviously designed this game to come out with the release of the OLED model of the Switch. Uh, so the visuals aren't just, like, really pop... Like, like the visuals aren't, like... They're not, like, a... a, a like, I, I, I've seen footage of, like, you know, 
the Metroid game that was on the DS, which was uh, Samus Returns. And that game, it's a, it's a lot of browns, you know, it's a lot of, like, dark colors that, you know, it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. But when you look at this game, you know, you got, like, those dark backgrounds mixed in with some, like, you know, sometimes you go outside and there's, like, a purple hue or the rocks are changing colors and or inside there's it's like a metal factory with different different colors of like silvers and blues and you know you see samus on the screen and you know you've got that white and blue suit then yeah of course it does change as you go through the game um but you know you just you stand out so well and i can i can picture that on the oled screen looking a lot better than on the regular switch of course i have been playing it um mostly on a, a tv screen i'm not much of a handheld player the only time I really use handheld mode is if, you know, I if I go to, you know, get my car, have, you know, have work done on my car or I'm 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 not the one driving on like a a, a few hour journey, you know, or whatever. So I'm not much of a handheld player, which is why I haven't invested into an OLED model. Maybe I will eventually um, as time goes on, but right now it's not like in in my mind, you know. I'm getting the I'm getting the Steam Deck. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be getting an OLED, you know, an OLED uh, switch for a while. But still, I think Metroid, it, it you know, th this game, you know, it, it seems like, it just seems like a love letter, letter to the fans. Like, hey, if this is the last Metroid game we're ever going to make, we're going to go out with a bang, it almost feels like. And obviously, I don't think this will be the last Metroid game. It's selling pretty good. I don't think it is going to be the last Metroid game. Um, you know, I, I think that this might spark some new people to come in and play the game. You know, when you release a Metroid game on the Wii U, I mean, the just think of the Wii U install base. And it, I don't think that a lot of people were playing the Wii U. Uh, and out of those people, probably half of them got the Metroid game that came out on the Wii U era. Now that you have it on the Switch, that's a much bigger install base, and more people are going to be interested in getting the game, because the Switch, you know, Nintendo, they do drip-feed you games. So, you know, there's like one major release every, uh, every like, three or four months at this point, right? You know, we had WarioWare a month ago, uh, we got Metroid now, and then we're getting uh, Mario Party, uh, what, at the end of this month? So, actually, this was a pretty jam-packed few months here. Uh, but most, I mean, most of the time, I mean, think of, think of, you know, years in the past where it's like, all right, we got Mario Tennis Aces or whatever it was called, and then there was like a game drought for Nintendo until like, you know, a different game came out, you know. Uh, I, I know what you're thinking, you know, you have me describe the gameplay a little bit more. Um, so, if you've played a Metroid game, you kind of understand the basic concept, you know, you, you can shoot up, down, you can shoot diagonally, up, down, and you, of course, you can shoot in the middle. Um, as you get more... You know, you, you, you actually start this game out with a missile launcher. Uh, you can switch to the missile launcher and fire that as well. Up to, you know, all the different directions. As you go through the game, you get more attachments for your weapons, your suits, you know, different, you know, things that you can use to get through the environments. So you get, like, charge shots, the, you know, spread shots, which fire three shots at the same time. You can upgrade your suit to be able to go into hot weather climates. You can turn to the morph ball and use bombs eventually. And uh, there's there's this feature I don't know like this here's the thing I'm coming at this with like a brand new player to it so the things that I mentioned might have been in an older game I just don't know but one of the things I really like is the uh, you can hold down L I think it's L Z or L whatever L T I think it's L Z 
and uh, you can actually free aim without moving. And I've actually been using that a lot. Um, I use that from pretty much every enemy encounter. And then the other thing about the game that's actually been quite fun is using the parry system. If you press Y at the right time when the flash happens on the screen from an enemy, you can knock them back, shoot them, and get a bunch of health and a bunch of missiles added to your inventory. It's a really nice feature because, you know, a lot of times I'll be running around with some low health and, you know, you can only save at certain points in the game. So you go to a save point, you know, you save, and then you run around, and if you, you know, if you have a game over, you gotta go back to that point. And the game, that does help the, the, with the flow of the game because I, I can be running around with like 13 health left, see an enemy, parry him, shoot him, boom, I got 100 health now because I did that. You know, it's a very nice and smooth type thing. The other thing is the game is a little bit more forgiving. There are some autosave points as well, like before you go into Emmy territory, there's there's save points. And before boss fights, there's also an autosave point as well. So the game is not as... Gruel, uh, like grueling in that aspect so you have some leeway here or there you know you have some leeway here or there with that and uh i i i like that <laughs> okay and maybe some purists out there would be like oh you know whatever that's actually pretty nice for me i mean especially how fast you get killed by the emmy the emmy are uh you know they capture it's a one-hit kill you have two chances to escape sure but the chances of escaping are, are slim to none so it is nice that you have a save point outside of the Emmy zone, and you also have your save point all the way back at the actual save. Um, so it's nice, you know. It's just it's nice. It's a little bit of a quality of life enhancement, I think, and I think that'll actually allow players like me who you know haven't been huge fans of Metroid but are interested in it and are playing the game. It helps us, especially me, get through the game a little bit quicker because I'm not retreading ground you know, in, in massive chunks after, you know, not saving for 10 minutes or so, you know. So that is, that is nice. That is very nice. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been a fun game so far. I, I, I would recommend it. Um, and I, I, I was planning on talking about this later, but I think I'm going to talk about it now. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, stuff going around about emulating the game and, you know, there's been literal guides on certain web pages that have been. They have like the steps listed down um, on how to install the you know an emulator and play the game on your PC and have it run at 60 FPS and all that crap. And one of the major websites that I actually use for some inform you know ever information every now now and then, Kotaku has actually. They actually put out an article uh, th like three days after the game's release, and they were saying how wonderful the emulated version of the game is and how good it runs on PC. And even though they weren't specifically telling you to go out and download it and play it that way for free, technically, um, just them putting that news article out there is a bad idea, especially from a, 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 this is a reputable news organization. Thousands of people follow them for info, you know, for news and sources and all that stuff for them to put out an article like that. You know, they got an audience of, of a broad audience and a lot of that audience is probably kids. And those kids go, well, I don't have the money to buy dread and I want to, you know, maybe I want to play dread. And that, you know, they emulated on the PC. Look, emulation is not a bad thing, okay? I've said this many, many, many times. Emulation is not a bad thing. Expe you know, 
I think that it's only a like I think that's a good thing when the game that you're emulating is very old. Maybe the technology is out of date and there's really no easy way to get a hold of a copy of the game or even like a re-released version of the game. You know, games that are that that came out back in the day, like for you know, just random. You know, even games back into like into like the Super Nintendo era, right? There's some games that you just cannot find, and the only way to to play them is through these emulation softwares. And I'm okay with that. You know, if Nintendo or whoever the publisher or developer is doesn't want you to have a copy of the game, but you really want to play it, it's like okay, I get, I only have one choice, and that choice is to emulate the game on my computer. It's I don't do it at, like at all. I don't think I've ever emulated a game on my PC. The only I think the closest I get is Clone Hero, and even then, like that's like a software package that you install on the computer, and it and it runs like a regular game, yeah, like Guitar Hero, except it's Clone Hero. That's the probably the closest I get to that type of thing. Um, so you know, just coming from this perspective of like a person who has not emulated and I always buy my games and that, you know, I think that putting out articles like this so close to the release of this game could potentially impact the sales for the game. And I think that it's even, it's, you know, compound onto that even worse that the game is a series that Nintendo really doesn't show love to very often. And there's a lot of people who are like, yes, I finally get my hands on a new Metroid game. I've waited years for this. You know, Dread, you know, that was a big thing because Dread was shown during a different game a long, long time ago. And it's they've been waiting so long for it just to have the rugs, you know, pulled out from under them and for them to fall flat in their face because a good amount of people aren't buying the game on the Switch, they're just emulating the game on their computer, and that is causing the sales numbers to dip a little bit, and obviously Nintendo is a buy-the-numbers type company, and if they don't see return on their investments, they go, eh, well, I guess it's time to put this one back in the fucking Nintendo vault. We haven't seen enough Zero game in a long, 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 long time. You know why? Because it didn't really sell too well on the GameCube. And obviously it didn't sell enough to even bring it back for uh, uh, future console generations. That's how long it's been. Although there is also the other stigma that Nintendo doesn't like to make games unless they have a new idea for them. So maybe that's why F-Zero hasn't come back. It's because Nintendo just doesn't really have a good idea for the series. But then again, you released Star Fox Zero and that was a fucking train wreck. But I guess all in all, I mean, I know this is not a hot topic anymore, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, not go in depth with it. But all in all, I mean, there's some emulation practices that are like, okay, I'm okay with. But, you know, releasing a game in for emulation's sake on, you know, on, wherever and it's brand new is is kind of a scummy tactic, you know. And, and And shame on these websites. I think MSN and Kotaku were the two biggest sites that released articles about this emulation practice for this brand new game shame on them shame on them shame on them and then when they did finally have like i think msn took their article down completely but kotaku's article is still up and they added a little thing at the end like oh we don't we don't endorse you know actually going out and pirating the game you know we're against piracy but it's like same point from before you release this article you are endorsing piracy that that's pretty much it and, like, like I said before, 
I, I'm not going to tell you that, um, you know, that every emulation process is bad, but, you know, brand new games being emulated and released for free, I mean, the, the first, like, week of a game being out is, like, the biggest selling week, you know? So, I don't know, I guess just support support developers you like you know if nintendo floats your boat give them a support if not then why are you even emulating the game in the first place <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yeah that's all i gotta say about that of course i also played back for blood this past week um i think i've gotten to the end of the first act now um it's I mean, it's pretty good. It's, like, I honestly don't know if it's better than Left 4 Dead. <laughs> um, it's it's probably on about the same level, though. I mean, it's still fun to play. Um, I know that some people are having some problems with the solo mode and something about it not giving out enough, like, uh, supplies or whatever. And, I, I mean, I haven't played it solo, so I, I haven't run into that thing. But I do know that 100% for sure that the AI-controlled characters are completely stupid, are, like, brain-dead in the game. Um, they follow you around very closely, and they'll save you from a pinch, but they barely ever fire their weapons, it seems. And they're just, like, they just stand there. They, they, they're pretty they're pretty dumb. <laughs> but I, I think for the most part, it is, like... You know, it's a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead, and I think it actually does fit the bill for that pretty well. Um, you know, it has the same gameplay style of first-person shooter where you go through hordes of enemies and there's special enemies mixed in there to try and ruin your day. And, yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, it, you know, it works pretty well. It, it, it's pretty fun. Um, but there are... <sighs> there are some levels that I've played so far that just... They haven't done it. <laughs> like, they don't do anything special with, like, the level design. Like, there's one whole act chapter, or whatever it is, whatever it is, where... Because I think it's like... Okay, so it's like Act 1-1-4-whatever. So, uh, before Act 2 happens, there's this whole part where you're putting, like, boards on windows, and then you move on to the next place, and you save some people, and... I don't know, it's just like... There's one level that's, that's like, there's, like, three levels in a row where you're, like, rehashing the same environment, like, the same area. And it's just, that's a little disappointing to me. I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen further on into the game, but, I mean, these are, like, levels where it's, like, okay, you start here, you save some people in a gas station, and you move on. And then the next level starts, and, you know, it's, it's nighttime, and you go to the same place, and you just kind of mill around there again. And then the third time, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just like, look, I mean, I, I'm enjoying the game, don't get me wrong, but there is something a little bit off with some of the level design and stuff like that. I mean, all the, char the characters are great, they all have, like, conversations with each other, they all have something special about them, uh, they all start with, like, different starting equipment, I mean, they, they, they did a good job designing these characters and making them all unique and having them all be useful to you in one way or another. I like all the melee weapons, and, you know, in in Left 4 Dead, they, all the melee weapons sort of kind of feel the same, but in Back 4 Blood, I mean, some of them slash differently. Some of them, 
you know, like the axe, it, it doesn't just like swing back and forth. It's like a downward swing and I don't know how to describe it. It's just like it's, some of the weapons do feel a little bit different. And the weapon variety in terms of, like, guns is actually pretty good in the game, too. And there's a bunch of attachments that you can either purchase or pick up to put on your weapon to make them better. There's different rarities, which, of course, gives you better damage and accuracy and all that stuff. Um, if you put on a attachment that you don't like, unfortunately, you're kind of stuck with it until you find another, another attachment for the same slot. So, like, let's say you accidentally put the, um, the fucking sniper scope on your SMG. Well, you're kind of stuck with that for a little while. And that is unfortunate that you can't just, like, remove an attachment. You can't just, like, go back to iron sights. It's now forever locked into having a scope. And obviously it is just, you know, it's, it's similar to Left 4 Dead. So, you know, you'll find weapon pickups all the time. But, you know, let's, let's say you really like the, uh, the UMP and you just want to use the UMP. But you accidentally put the wrong scope on it. Well, you know, you're just going to have to live with it for a little while, I guess. Graphically, the game looks good. Um, I like the, I like the like the I like the parasite angle. You know, they're not technically zombies, but everyone's gonna call them zombies anyways because you know, it's you know it, it's a you know it's it's you know you know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, technically they're not zombies. They're like infected with uh, these parasites that are in the water and stuff like that. It is weird to me, like, you know, during cutscenes and stuff like that, like, these things are right in their face, and it's like, if it's a parasite, and it's like, it's 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 agile enough to, like, be, like, swimming around the dude's eyeball, don't you think that they would, like, jump to one another, you know, up, the, the person standing right in front of them, you know, you don't, they don't have to bite you to, to move a parasite over, you know, especially if it's, if it's as big and wormy as, as they show in the, in the credits, but... Obviously, I'm I'm not gonna like knock the game for that or anything. I, I think that's really uh, interesting, in a lot of ways for this new enemy type, and there you know there's some similar special zombies. Um, so you have your one guy with a big arm. He's, you know, he's got he he does he he lays down the boom. You have one that's kind of like the spitter, except it has webs, so it'll it'll stick you in place. Um, there is one kind of like the jockey where it'll grab you and try and pull you away. Um, and then there's also, I forget what it's called, um, but it's kind of like the screamer, except it calls in a horde. And then there's also one that's kind of like a, it's almost like a mix between the charger and the boomer, where it will explode and spit stuff at you, but it also does, like charges at you as well. And then, uh, there's one more, uh, type that I've ran into. It's kind of like the witch. Uh, except it can run away and come back later on in the game, and it's a little bit harder to avoid, I would say. Yeah, I, you know, it It looks kind of cool, and when it grabs someone, it looks cool, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, so far, it's like, okay, it's good, you know, it's fine, um... You know, uh, I, I'm I'm playing it I'm playing it on Xbox Game Pass, so I didn't have to spend you know I, I spent five dollars on Game Pass or ten or whatever it is now that I'm paying, um, and you know it's 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 fine. I I I don't know. There's just there is something a little bit off about it, but I wouldn't say that's like that's like a bad game at all. I mean, I I think that it it plays pretty nicely, and you know if they just you know fix the AI a little bit and, and I don't know what, I mean, maybe add some DLC levels in there that mix things up a little bit more. I think that it, you know, I, I would want to play it a little bit more than I do right now. 
Um, all in all, I mean, can I recommend it? Yeah, if, I mean, if you like the genre, you know, if you like the horde type first-person shooter genre, it's going to be right up your alley. Um, and it's a cooperative game as well without the four people. So, you know, you can you can play around with your friends and and do all that fun stuff. Um, anything else? Uh, there is a pretty fun level that we played where you have to defend a jukebox, and it's playing, like, all these different songs. So, like, The Hive and their song Tick, Tick, Boom is on there. Um, there's a whole slew of songs that plays on there, all licensed music. So if you're streaming, you know, maybe mute the, uh, mute the music there for that segment, huh? Um, uh, but it, that was a pretty fun level. You, you held out inside the, uh, inside the place and protected the jukebox while the people outside escaped on armored jeeps. But, you know, then you go, oh, well, what what, 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 what did we do the last two levels then? We board up the houses and, and, and all that stuff. And for what? For nothing, because everyone just left the area anyways. It was just a really weird, weird thing. And, you know, there are some callbacks to levels in the Left 4 Dead franchise. I mean, there's one that really looks like um, Heavy Rain. Um, there's another one that's more so like the DLC level that they added on later. Uh, I think it was called The Passage or something like that, where you went through, like, a ravine and stuff. So there are callbacks to the Left 4 Dead series, of course, because it is made by the same team, well, the same studio, um, just under a different name. I don't know, I don't think Valve had any input on this one. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I usually, you know, don't bring this stuff up, but, uh, you know, the cringiness of the KFC gaming channel is, knows no bounds, and uh, their little tweet about, like, oh, um, you know, this is, you know, Walmart, Left for Dead or whatever. I I don't I don't believe that. I mean, it it is unique enough to kind of be its own thing, while still being like a spiritual successor to the old series. So I'm like, I don't know. I I just I I don't see it that way myself. But yeah, let me know what you think. Uh, obviously, I'm not super far into the game, so you know, let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. And you know, just talk to me in the Discord about it. All right, all right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. So, I also played, uh, there's a new Peace Death game out. I believe it's Peace Death 2. Um, and, yeah, it is, it is Peace Death 2. Uh, but it's weird because in, like, in every other place that you see trailers and stuff for it, it's Peace Death exclamation point exclamation point. But it's actually Peace Death exclamation point 2. Uh, and... As you may or may not know, uh, I played Peace Death, the original game, a few years ago now on YouTube, and I fell in love with the game instantly. I loved how fast-paced it was, the quick decision-making, send some of the purgatory, hell, or heaven, depending on the traits that they're exhibiting in the game. Peace Death 2 comes along, and now, ooh, now it kind of flips it around a little bit. There's The time constraint is pretty much gone. Um, there are times when, you know, time is a factor, like, you know, sometimes an enemy will have, uh, not an enemy, but a soul will have their gun or weapon drawn, and they'll start shaking violently, and if you take too long to choose where they need to go, they'll attack you. Uh, but now, instead of the game being like, okay, it's they're, they're on, like, a conveyor belt or whatever, or they're popping down from out of nowhere, and you're deciding where they go, six of them appear on the screen at the same time, and all of them have different features and stuff like that, to tell you whether they should go to heaven, hell, or purgatory. 
So, just as an example, the first level is teaching you heaven or hell, and there's pretty much just angels or demons. No matter what is attached to an angel, whether it be weapons, frowning, you know, ev devil horns, whatever, uh, like devil horn emojis, I should say. This whole game is based on emojis, I, I should tell you that. So there's a, there's a character design, and then behind them is little emojis. So, some emojis don't mean anything, like hats, benches, traffic cones... Stuff like that. Those things don't mean anything. The things that do mean something are things that exhibit happiness or, you know, devilishness. <laughs> so, angels, they seem, they always go to heaven. D devils, they always go to hell. That's the first level. So, boom, boom, boom. You get through that pretty quickly. The next one, the next level, they introduce humans. And humans, if they don't exhibit either happy or devilish features, they go to purgatory no matter what. And they'll be sorted out there. Um, if a human has this, the, you know, an equal amount of good and bad, then they still go to purgatory. If a human has more good than bad, they go to heaven. If, if a human has you know more bad than good, they go to hell. And that's pretty much the basic concept of the game. And I, I mean, it's it's different, and they do you know it doesn't feel as you know crazy, or it shouldn't feel as crazy as the original game, but there are still times where I'm playing the game, and I'm kind of going along, and there's, like, this one string of, like, you know, the, you know, let's say, okay, so the one of the hardest ones I had so far, the guy had a weapon, so, you know, that's a negative, but he also had a whole string of, like, food, happiness, devil horns, you know, all this stuff was behind him, and I was just trying to, like, do the math in my head on where to send him. I ended up I ended up sending him to hell, but he was actually supposed to go to the purgatory. And sometimes it gets, it gets pretty complicated. There's just a lot on the screen going on, and, you know, uh, as you go through the game, uh, the different, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, they will give you quests to do, and you can activate one per level. So, Plague, he, uh, he wants his rats to go to three different places, so the little rats will randomly go to a different person, and depending on where you send them is where the rat goes too so if you send you know you have to send one rat to purgatory heaven and hell each uh war he's in there uh he wants weapons so there's a cart that goes around that circles around the map and it changes spots and goes in a clockwise pattern uh, every time you send someone to a place uh the cart if they have a weapon on them uh and they're by the cart the cart will get the weapon you need to get five weapons for them it's things like that that make the game a little bit more chaotic so there's also other things you can do for the bureaucrats or whatever they are and um you can take on a quest to add more to add you know more people you need to sort or there's another quest that will add six extra murderers or six you know six extra characters into there as you go the game things get much more complicated especially when they start adding new uh types of characters so uh clowns they always go to hell that's the main thing clowns always go to hell okay it doesn't even matter what's with them uh delivery guys they certain they uh you know unless you know they're they usually go to hell because they are bringing you food they're the gluttony they're bringing them food um there's these other guys uh goblins there's goblins in the game they're greedy goblins and what they do is they collect weapons every so often and when they go to wherever you send them uh their weapons will disperse among the the players and it will mess up maybe your counting it's just, it's, you know, like I said, it's not as, like, fast-paced as the first game, but it's still, it's still kind of just as intense, you know, it's still, 
it still can make you it really still makes you think and it's not as fast as as the original game you know you're not thinking on your toes per se but you still want to get the stuff done pretty quickly and i think the game does a good job of um keep you know keeping the pace up the rhythm up and as i've been going through the game it's just it's been a really fun time still i don't know if i like it as much as the original game but it's still a very fun experience and i would recommend it you know it's it's five dollars on steam and it's such a really fun and good time i you gotta play both the games play both the games peace death one and peace death two they're two really fun games i love the art style i love the concept and i hope that you will too All right. Uh, also, during the week, uh, I played a game called The Evil Within, and I'm um I am now a big fan of The Evil Within. You know, I tried playing it a while ago, and this was before I really got into like Resident Evil style games, so I didn't really understand what I was doing per se. But now that I've gone through it as a more mature adult. I actually really, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I think the worst part of the game was the ending, like, not the ending boss fight. Well, I guess it was kind of like the ending mob of enemies was probably the weakest part of the game. That's that's what I'm saying. The rest of the game is really, really good. There's only like one or two chapters where I was like, uh, you know, this is kind of not, not as good. So there was one chapter that like had a lot of like influence from like Souls-like games, you know, the enemy placement and stuff like that. It was really, really weird. And they introduced these new enemies who were, like, fakes of the boss guy. And they were just super annoying. And then I think the final chapter is also uh, one of the weaker ones. It it does explain, you know, it, it does explain a good amount. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking it for that. I'm just saying that, like, in terms of, like, how good the other chapters were, the final chapter being just, like, a horde mode, you know, fight off the enemies, waste your ammo type thing, eh, it wasn't that cool. And same thing goes for another chapter in the game that was uh, where you were just riding you were riding on a bus the whole time, and yeah, it was it was just another it was just another you know ammo dump, you know. And I you know I'm not a huge fan of those types of moments in games. You know, I had the same gripe about Resident Evil 8. There's a there's a part in Resident Evil 8 where you just kind of waste your ammo, and that's the whole entire point of the of that part of the level is to waste your ammo. And this game is not a stranger to that, but other than that, I feel like, you know, I feel like the horror element is on point. I really like the designs of all the, the character, different characters and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's actually, like, there were some really cool enemy designs. Like, the dudes with the safes on their heads. Like, that, that, this, that character, that, that enemy design is really, really cool. I, I really enjoyed that. I liked a lot of the environments that you go to. Um, I, I liked how the enemies are designed in the game, you know, they, they, they're like tortured souls almost. They got like barbed wire and shit wrapped around them. It's pretty gruesome. And I, I think that the levels are designed pretty smartly, and even the, the puzzles weren't really too difficult to understand, and there were some, there were some moments that just seemed a little bit too obvious, you know? Like, there was one time where you go into this room and the lady's like stabbed on the wall, and there's like a key in her hand. And the one side of the key has blood on it. And it's like, oh, I wonder which way to put the key in the wall, you know? 
Yeah, there's and that that really never came back up. You know, there were some one and done type ideas that just weren't fleshed out at all. But all in all, I really really enjoyed the game. Um, I'm I'm probably gonna put it in the A tier because there were like three chapters in there I wasn't huge a huge fan of. Uh, but for the most part, I think that it's definitely worth playing. And I am interested to, to move on to the second game eventually. Obviously, uh, peop- it's, it's obviously it's a bit different in, in a lot of ways. I know that for sure. I've seen a little bit of gameplay of it, but you know, I oh excuse me, I am I am interested in um, you know, I'm in I am interested in what the second game has to offer compared to the first game. Uh, and yeah, it's not like, it's not like the, you know, it's not like this game is like a, a massively long game. I think it took us like 12 or 15 hours to get through. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a, a fun, spooky game and you like the Resident Evil style, but not like completely Resident Evil style, then yeah, I would go with this. This is definitely has a good amount of action to it. And, uh, you know, this, this might actually tickle P2's pickle. He hates games where you go around in, like, a loop. Um, this game does not go back to, you know, the levels are, are more linear than, like, a Resident Evil game where it's like, okay, you go, you know, you go into the police building and you're, like, wandering around the police building for half the game and then you move on to the next area. Uh, this one is definitely more linear and the chapters, like, the, the end of the chapter comes and you move on to a new totally new area so it's, it's not like resident evil in that aspect it's just it's more resident evil in just like the style like the how they gain you know third person shooter you know survival horror type thing and also uh one thing i would recommend and i believe it's on all versions of the game now turn off the letterbox the letterbox is terrible it's kind of like playing in widescreen and it is not good. Once I turned that off, the game experience got 100% better. I'm not even kidding. So I know that's how the developers want you to play it, but it's not how you should play it. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest. So, yeah, that was The Evil Within. And then also a few weeks ago, uh, we finished Little Nightmares. Um, I don't really have too much to say about it. I, I thought I was going to enjoy the game more than I did. And I ended up just not really enjoying it. Like, compared to, like, other games in the same genre, you know, like like Limbo or Inside, the game just doesn't do enough with this concept. Like, I like the character designs and the, the different environments you go through. And I thought the story overall was okay. I just feel like they, they, they didn't do enough with it, you know? Like, you, the game's pretty short. The DLC does add on a little bit of time to it, but I got more annoyed by the DLC than anything else. Um, there were a lot of good moments in the game, but I just feel like compared to other games in the same genre, it just doesn't deliver in the same way that Limbo or Inside does. So, you know, comparing it to those games, it's not as great as I, I would think, um, or, you know, I don't think it's as great as it, as it could be. Um, but the art style is still pretty good, and, you know, there are some puzzles in there that aren't too bad, but... Like I said, it just it just doesn't seem to do enough with the concept, okay? So that's that's little little nightmares. And uh, I guess the final thing to say would be Doom 64. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. So, you know, if you want to check out Doom 64, I, I did get the uh, collector's edition from Limited Run Games. That was a really good a really good choice. I, I really enjoyed how that looked. You know, it came with like a bronze cartridge. And besides from, like, that last level where you fight the the mother demon and it was, like, a completely unfair fight, 
I found the game to be very, you know, to be enjoyable. So, you know, I, I you know, if, if you got a spare five bucks, yeah, maybe check it out. It's not, it's not too bad. Not too bad. All right. So, um, ba -ba -ba. starting off with the news. I already talked about Metroid Dread and the whole emulation thing. So, let's move on to the second news story I had. Uh, Battlefield 2042 has um, released like a trailer for the mo game mode called Hazard Zone. And I thought that this game mode was going to be like the weather being like cranked to extra crazy. I guess I was a little bit wrong. So essentially, what this mode is, is <laughs> it's a, a squad-based game mode uh, where it's every squad for itself. We've had, um, you yeah, know, we've had similar games in that aspect um, in other Battlefield games too. Uh, but the main goal of this one is you're know, you're a four-person squad and you're trying to re you're trying to go and get these data drives that are scattered throughout the battlefield. And you'll compete against other squads to try and get more than them, and then once you get extracted, you know, it's all, you know, it's all over there. Apparently, it's a high-stakes one-life experience. So, you know, if, you know, a squad mate goes down and you don't revive them, they're out for the entire game. So, it is a little Battle Royale-ish. Um, maybe more so Battle Royale than not. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be playing this one too often. Like, maybe if I get a squad of four, you know, three other people, you know, maybe I'll, I'll think about it. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of these types of game modes. Like, I mean, I played, you know, of course I've played, you know, Search and Destroy. And I used to play that a lot on United Offense, Call of Duty United Offense. But, like, I don't go out of my way to play the game modes. You know, if, if one of my friends wants to play it, sure, fine. I, my game style is more of run in there, get a, get as many hits on an enemy as you can, and 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 try and kill them before they kill you. That's kind of my play style in Battlefield games and Call of Duty. Uh, so when it comes to like search and destroy, even though I can have my moments, um, I'm just not a huge fan of it. So maybe I'll I'm I know I'm gonna try it out because it's a part of the game. It's a it's a major part of the game, I guess. Um, but yeah, I guess the more intel you gather, the more XP you get, and the more dark market credits you earn uh, which will give you better equipment for you and your squad in the next match so they're, they're kind of combining like a counter-strike uh you know twist on it as well um to you know which is you know maybe a maybe an interesting thing i don't know so yeah um that is battlefield's new hardened mode playstation plus for november uh they haven't they haven't announced the games, but they have announced that you're going to be getting three bonus PlayStation VR titles with the lineup for no additional cost. And I believe they did this a few years ago as well. Uh, I'm foreseeing uh, the the Psychonauts VR game being free at least. Um, I don't remember what came out before for the VR, but I know that that was never released free and it might be a part of the slate. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> um I'm also, I'm, I mean, what else would they release for free on the PlayStation VR? It has to be a, yeah, I'm not sure. But, you know, if that one's in there, you know, that's def that's definitely worth it. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, we have a PlayStation VR here, and it's not hooked up right now. But it was a fun experience before getting the Oculus. The Oculus is definitely a lot better 
in a lot of ways. Uh, number one way, there's no cords and there's no big setup for it. Um, you don't have to use a camera. But if you have a PSVR and you you want you know you got you got some three x three free games coming next month, so that that'll be pretty cool. They also told us what the top five most played PSVR games were across the globe. Coming in at first place was Rec Room, followed by Beat Saber, PlayStation VR Worlds, The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim VR, and Resident Evil 7 Biohazard VR. Those all were in the top five. Uh, the Skyrim game was, was pretty funny, but it also made me sick when I was playing it the last time I played it, and I never went back. <laughs> Sorry! Alright, um, Solar Ash, which was a game that was supposed to be, like, you know, it, obviously it's a, it's a big game coming to, like, the PS5. Uh, it was initially supposed to be released on December 2nd, 2021 of this year. Uh, it had to be delayed. Oh, I'm sorry, it was supposed to come out in a couple weeks, but now it's being delayed to the 2nd of December. I apologize, misread that. So, uh, Solar Ash, new release date, Heart and Machine... Heart Machine and Anna Purina Interactive had decided to delay the release of Solar Ash until December 2nd. We want Solar Ash to shine, and we need a bit more time to get the last pieces of polish and bug fixes into the game. While still navigating this global pandemic as a highly dedicated team, this, this short delay will help us get there. Thank you for understanding, and we'll see you in the Ultra Void soon. So if you don't remember what this game is, it was a very colorful game where you seem to be on, like, skates, you know, go, going around the environments. Um, there was, like, this big, like, dragon, flying dragon, like, Rayquaza-type dragon flying around that the the character was riding on. It looks very, um, it looks very cool. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, you know, make sure you check out the trailers and stuff like that. And um, with it coming out in December, uh, I'll probably end up playing it. Um, I'll definitely end up playing it, uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it is in December instead of, uh, in a few weeks. All right, the GTA Trilogy, there was a leak on the Rockstar support page. It was taken down already, uh, but in the, in, in the support documents, it said that the, uh, the genre-defining classics of the original GTA trilogy have been updated for a new generation, now with across-the-board enhances in including brilliant new lighting and environmental upgrades, high-resolution textures, increased draw distance, GTA V style controls and targeting, and much more, bringing these beloved worlds to, to life with all new levels of detail. So, this kind of quells my fears from last episode. I was talking about how it didn't, you know, with them calling it like a just a enhanced trilogy or what did they call it? I don't even remember. They call it the definitive edition for the games. I felt like they were just going to do another re-release and that would have been really disappointing. But seeing this little leak here gives me a little bit of hope that the games are going to have some improvements to them. Draw distance is a big thing, especially for GTA three. The draw distance was terrible. And with a new control scheme, um, it, you know, it, it'll bring it around to the new, you know, to the, the better uh, GTA 5 control style. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still interested in getting this, obviously. I would love... I mean, I have the original versions of uh, at least two of these games. I don't think... I Actually, yeah, I have all three of them. San Andreas is on my shelf. Uh, so I would love to play the original versions um, anyway. But, you know, having the 
you know, these versions of the game would be cool. And don't forget that they did take down the original re-releases of the game from all the different storefronts. So if you want to play these games, you're going to have to get the definitive edition. And it's possible that these games are going to be bundled together for $60. Uh, so if prepare to put down a little bit of money if you want to play them. I, I think that the, the trilogy should definitely be more like 40 you know, with how old the games are. And, I mean, even though they're doing stuff with them, it's not like it's a huge ordeal, I would say, in my opinion. But, you know, um, I am interested to seeing what they're going to do with them. And hopefully we'll see some, some gameplay or something, like a trailer or something in the near future. All right, the Animal Crossing's uh, New Horizons Direct uh, aired, I think, today. And they revealed that it is going to be the last free update for the game. Uh, they went through all the different stuff that they're going to be doing. So there's going to be returning and upgraded special characters. Uh, there's a fair few beloved NPCs who are coming to Animal Crossings with Bru uh, with <laughs> coming to Animal Crossing uh, with Brewster t taking over the roost and tons more like Tortimer, Harriet, Reese, and Cyrus. They'll be available on Harv's Island. New special characters and villagers are going to be coming around, like Nico and Wardle, who both have something to do with the Happy Home Paradise expansion. Harv's Island expansion. Uh, Harv's Island will now be more useful with a shopping-themed expansion out back. Um, it's worked a bit of the campsite, and sellers that usually come into town on occasion, like Kix, Sahara, and Leaf, can, be, can set up small shops with a caravan. The froggy chair is back, and it's customizable. There will also be, uh, be a new cooking mechanic in the game. Um, so you can, uh, I guess, find different ingredients in the environment, like carrots, potatoes, tomatoes. Combine them to make different recipes. Okay. Farming. DIY recipes plus farming. You can grow them on your farm. So I guess it's not just in finding them in your environment. You're actually going to grow corn, carrots, tomatoes, etc. to cook. Captain's Island. Captain is returning after his role in New Leaf as a ferryman. Um, he'll take you to new places that only he knows. You can take a ride on the boat and listen to his sea shanties to get access to the new islands, which can have different weather, times of day, and even seasons to your main island, making bug and fish catching more accessible year-round. The Roost. Um, the Roost will open in the museum. Staffed by Brewster the Bird, uh, the Roost is a dimly lit, cozy cafe where patrons can drink coffee any time of the day. You'll be able to visit... Uh, you'll, be able to see, you'll, be able to, you'll be able to see visiting characters and villagers in there and have an option to invite friends to sit down for a cup of Joe Mama. There will be new furniture, lots of new furniture, like the froggy chair, as I already mentioned, um, and stuff like that. New fences. Uh, <laughs> these fences kind of look like, uh, kind of look like, um, Mad Max. <laughs> but, uh, there will be nine new fences, including block fencing, lattice fencing, log wall fencing, corrugated iron fencing, and more. There will be more hairstyles, like the boy band hairstyle. There's 11 new hairstyles coming to the game. You can have more reactions as well. 11 new reactions, including double wave, stretch, bounce the music, listen ears, and say cheese. 
Huh, new KK Slider songs. There are new KK Slider songs, uh, 12 in total, including Bashment, Chill Wave, Break, Chorino, Dub, Fuge, Hip Hop, Lovers, and Polka. There will be a first-person camera and tripod added to the game, along with something called Gyroids. Uh, gyroids are not only back, but they're extra cool and extra weird now. Dig up a gyroid fragment and plant them again to get them growing. Once they've soaked up water, they'll grow into big gyroids, which you can use to dig up again and find out what kind of gyroid it is. Each one has a different design and make a different noise. And they look a lot cooler and varied than the old similar ones. Okay. Stretching. Ooh, they put in yoga into the game as well. Oh, there's Dom. Look at him. There's also a bunch of quality of life updates. You'll be able to visit your villagers' houses. Uh, you'll be able to scoot between furniture. You'll be able to use a storage shed. Uh, there, the ladders will now be permanent. Your own automatic bell dispenser will be located in the resident service building. Island Life 101 app. This is a lifesaver for anyone who feels like they missed out on the pandemic craze or is joining an island where everything is set up the island life 101 app on the in-game nook phone will let you will tell you everything you, you will tell you how everything works in the game so it won't take long to get up to speed island ordinances um island ordinances can let you set up a rule to make your game suit your playstyle. there are four and based on new leaf you can guess what they'll do beautiful island will probably stop weeds from growing blah 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 blah, blah. um all that stuff more house exteriors, three new storage expansions, ceiling furniture, accent walls, patterns for furniture can be worn or used as wallpaper, bridges and inclines are increased to having allowing you to have 10 each now. So previously it was 8, now it's 10. Whew! Um, wow. If you want to find out more about the Happy Time Home Paradise features, you have the... What? I don't even know. Anyway, that was all revealed in the final... New Horizons uh, update, final free update, they said. So it's possible that there would be some paid stuff coming along, but, I mean, Nintendo hasn't been big on DLC, like, ever. So I don't know if there actually will be. Uh, but this does seem like a nice, sizable update, and obviously this is what they've been working on since the, you know, since the last update. I feel like it is a good amount of stuff, you know, put into the game. Uh, so, yeah, uh, not not too shabby there. Fortnite has finally uh, credited the actual inspiration for their imposters mode. They finally credited Among Us in their update to the game. Um, they now says presented, you know, inspired by Among Us from Inner Sloth on loading screens and in their articles now. Uh Look, um, you, you still could have collabed with these people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe have the, you know, the imposter be like a skin in the game. Look, uh, as people mentioned, you know, this is not the only time the word imposter has been used in a video game. And, and Among Us is not the first video game to, to be like, you know, like it is okay. <laughs> like the game that it is, but it is the most popular. And with Fortnite adding this imposters mode, so soon after Among Us came out, it you know it, it's pretty easy to draw a comparison there, and it is nice that they're finally finally recognizing that it is inspired by Among Us. 
I still think that doing like some sort of collaboration with Inner Sloth would have been a better idea, in my opinion. All right, the Xbox Series X mini fridge is now available for pre-ordering next week. It'll arrive in December. That's right. So, Xbox has finally uh, put out the details for the Xbox mini fridge, confirming that pre-orders are going to open on October 19th, ahead of its launch in December. Uh, this really is a one-by-one scale replica of the Xbox and Chill uh, post that they that someone put out. The um, the item will be available at Target exclusively in a, in the U.S. for a hundred dollars. In Europe or the U.K., you can pick it up from any game retail store for eighty-nine pounds. France, Germany, Italy, Italy, <laughs> France, Germany, Italy, Ireland, Spain, Netherlands, and Poland can grab them at a GameStop EU, Micromania, or Twink via Amazon. More regions are expected to arrive in twenty twenty-two. Um, it, I mean, it looks like a nice fridge. <laughs> I mean, it's all green on the inside, which is a little ugly in my opinion. And, I mean, it is detailed with, like, a USB port on the front, buttons, you know. I mean, it looks like an Xbox Series X, you know. Uh, Will I end up getting this? I don't know, maybe. I I would love to get one of these for Christmas. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I think it's kind of a funny little thing. Uh, But it's not something that's, like, on the top of my list to get, you know. I I think it would be kind of funny to have it in the stream room. And if I wanted a cold beverage, I could just run over and grab it. That might be kind of fun. And I can finally be like, look, I got a Series X. (laughs) Anywho, uh, that's that. Kind of just a fun story there. Diablo 2 Resurrected, which is the remastered version of Diablo 2, has been getting a lot of flack since its launch. Um, among other things, um, it seems like there's been tons and tons and tons of reports of login issues on the game, uh, with the servers being down for, like, seven hours at one point, the servers were completely down, you couldn't even play the game, and Blizzard wouldn't even let people get a refund for the game, um, so... Yeah, it's kind of a rough time there. A Twitter hashtag was actually started, hashtag refund D2R... Um, and obviously it got a little bit of traction because people all around the globe are having this problem. Um, but, uh, it's been a rough launch for the game. I don't have first-hand experience with it, so, you know, I can't say from, you know, from my own experience if I have had trouble. Uh, sometimes it takes people up to eight or seven times to log in before you're actually able to get into the game itself. Um, it's almost done with its first month of release, and all these problems should have been... I mean, honestly, the login thing probably should have been fixed before the game even came out. I don't understand. I mean, if it, it, it logs into the server via the game, you know, so if you're having a problem on your server side, wouldn't that show up in your testing? I don't know. Anyway, uh, not a good launch for this game. And uh, in more news, uh, Call of Duty Vanguard is going to once again have exclusive benefits on the PlayStation. Uh, a lot of times that means that the DLC comes to the PlayStation a week or two ahead of the Xbox and PC. Uh, sometimes you'll get some special emotes and stuff that are special to the PlayStation version as well. Uh, there, there's no known info on what the actual special things are going to be, uh, but we can only assume that it is going to be stuff like I mentioned. Uh, they only said at the end of the trailer that there's special bonuses. Yay! So, um, also... 
is the game coming to PlayStation early? I'm not sure. It says November 1st here, but I think it's supposed to come November 5th. I think that was a typo. Anyway, uh, you know, it, it's... You know, Call of Duty used to be uh, partnered with Xbox, and remember, Xbox would get everything early, and that pissed off the PlayStation players. Well, now it's in the reverse, and it's been in reverse for a while. Um, so we'll see what the what the exclusive stuff de- you know means for Call of Duty Vanguard. All right, the Switches N64 and Sega Genesis controllers are up for pre-order now. Just an FYI, the N64 controller uh, sold out immediately. The Mega Drive controller or the um, Sega controller, it was still available when I was on there, but it wouldn't let me check out. So I'm wondering if that also uh, sold out as well. Um, But yeah, it's only available through my Nintendo store right now. Uh, it's, uh, It's about $50 to get either controller. I was really hoping to get an N64 one. You know, I guess I'll just have to wait a little bit longer. And I was like, oh, I might as well get the Genesis one just because. But unfortunately, (laughs) I wasn't able to check out. I used like five different credit cards. I was sitting here for 30 minutes. I was on the phone with my bank and they were like, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I guess I'm not going to get the the Mega Drive controller yet. Um, Hopefully it'll be stocked in like retail stores eventually, you know, like you can waltz to a GameStop and see when hopefully eventually that comes around. I would, I know I I would love to play these games with the original controller. You know, I I don't, I I don't have a problem with the N64 controller and I mean the, the Mega Drive controller looks fine, you know? Um, And yes, uh, at least from what I know, the N64 controller will have rumble they didn't say anything about the Sega Saturn. Uh, I'm sorry, the Sega Genesis controller, um, but I would assume that it has some sort of rumble to it. I don't know if the original controllers had it, but maybe they put some rumble features in there. Uh, but yeah, the rumble functionality will be supported on games like Star Fox 64 with no rumble back expansion required. So there you go. Also, both the controllers are rechargeable controllers. They will include a USB A C cable to charge it. Um, so yeah, there you go. Maybe I'll try ordering one of them again after I record this. All right, PETA is back in the news again because they are, um, they are, well, okay. Let me start with this. In Far Cry 6, there is a whole mini game where you can have chickens fight. It's called cockfighting. It's a big thing in, like, I think it's a big thing in Mexico and, 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 and regions like that. Obviously, obviously, it's 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 a very brutal sport. You know that the, these roosters or chickens or whatever they'll they'll rip and tear each other to death, and it's a slow, agonizing, painful death. I understand where they're coming from. Okay, I understand this whole thing. It's it's it's. I understand where they're coming from. It is cruelty that these these chickens and roosters are fighting, and they're dying these slow and painful deaths. I understand it. Okay, I understand where they're coming from. But pick your battles a little bit more. Remember how PETA did the whole thing in Animal Crossing where they had a bunch of people go in there into the museum and they rallied together in the game to protest, you know, collecting bugs and fish for a museum? And everyone was like, oh, that's stupid. But then they actually have something like this. It's like, this is actually kind of problematic. But it's it's like choose your battles a little bit wiser. Maybe maybe don't do the Animal Crossing thing, but do the thing for this. Or remember when um, there was that Pokemon, uh, Wooleo or something like that, that came to um, uh, Sword and Shield, and they were like, don't use my fur for 
you know, uh, outfits or whatever. And everyone's like, look, and I agree that, like, you know, shearing sheep, it doesn't hurt the sheep. It actually saves them. They can die of heat exhaustion if they have too much wool on them, right? So it's like, okay, are we not supposed to shear sheep? Just let them run around with a bunch of hair and then faint and die? Like, is that is that what you want? I don't understand. But, like, with this, it's like, yeah, the cockfighting, it's, 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 it's set up like Mortal Kombat, so it's not, like, realistic or anything like that. But still, you know, it's promoting something that is a problem, and, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, if this was dogs fighting, I think more, you know, even more people would be up in arms, and I think that would be more serious than this. But pick, I mean, PETA's gotta pick their battles a little bit better, you know? They do stupid stuff, like, with the Pokemon and the Animal Crossing, and it makes this kind of stuff not seem as... You know, people just ignore it because it's like, well, it's another PETA thing, right? So, um, they've urged Ubisoft to take out the minigame or replace it with something else. Obviously, I don't think uh, Ubisoft's going to do that, obviously. Um, you know, and also, we need to remember, like, this is inside of a video game. You know, I don't, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know, does it, does it promote, you know, cockfighting? I, I don't know if it actually promotes it, but... It is quite a fun minigame, I'll give it that. Because <laughs> it does feel like a, a stripped-down Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, but... Look, I, like I said, I understand where they're coming from, and yes, I agree, like, cockfighting is a bad thing. I mean, chickens, you know, they, they, you know, these people will outfit them with, like, metal spikes and stuff, and they'll really do damage, and it's a bloody and not good sport, just like dogfighting. But, like I said, people aren't going to care when you're attacking every little thing so that's the last time i'm going to mention this um if you want to read more about it you can go to Peta's website um but yeah there you go and you know far cry 6 it's trying to emulate the world of like a uh, latino based area you know like cuba you know so them not putting something like this in there wouldn't be as faithful to the real world I don't know. I'm trying to make excuses here. It's not working. All right. Uh, Evil Genius 2. If you don't recall, this is coming to Xbox Game Pass, but it finally has a date. So if you've been waiting to play the game, it's going to come to Xbox Game Pass on the 30th of November. Uh, You can pre-order and pre-download it available on the Microsoft Store, of course. Excuse me. That's it for that. Uh, Remember when I talked about the Star Wars bundles coming to the Nintendo Switch? And they were a rumor back then, but now they're actually been revealed. Uh, so, you know, they are actually coming out. So there's the Jedi Knight collection with both Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, and Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. And then there's also the Racer and Commando bundle. So you have Star Wars Racer and Star Wars Republic Commando. They're both in a dual set as well. And you can buy either of these two collections for $30 each on the 16th of November in North America and Europe or on the PS4 a little bit earlier on the 26th of October for the same prices. The SNES classic Joe and Mac Caveman Ninja is getting a remake on modern consoles. Uh, This was a side-scrolling platformer, 2D platformer, that hit the Japanese arcades back in the 90s before going on to the SNES, NES, and Game Boy and Mega Drive shortly afterwards. Uh, I've never heard of this game, um, but it looks like it's two, you know, you're a caveman going through a caveman world. It might, I mean, it kind of looks like it might be a little bit Cuphead related too, I don't know. 
Um, but uh, they came out in a statement and said, we have full confidence in the developer and Mr. Nuts Studio Capac. <laughs> I've never heard of that studio. Uh, capability to develop this remake of Joe and Mac, Caveman Ninja. It's a real pleasure to see this iconic video game character revived with today's technology. Um, this is probably going to be kind of like that other remake that came out. Um, what was it called? Wonder Boy or something like that? Wonderful Boy? Wonder, Wonder Boy, I think it was. Um, it's going to be, it'd be cool to be able to switch between like the old graphics and the new style graphics. It looks like it's, it looks like, it, I mean, obviously the original game might've been more pixely. Yeah, it was definitely more pixely. So this new version of the game is drawn just like Wonder Boy, uh, the remake of that is drawn. So it's like more cartoonish, kind of looks like the Battletoads game that came out recently. Um, so yeah, if you want to check into that, make sure you do. Uh, there's a new retro-looking sci-fi thriller that's going to be coming out to the PS5. Um, this game actually looks really interesting. Uh, you play as a person who goes to a planet, um, and it's based off of a Polish author's uh, novel called The Invisible. And yes, it's coming to the PS5. There was a quick little trailer that came out on PlayStation's website. It looks pretty cool. And, like, the sound effects and stuff sound really cool, too. Um, it seems like it's going to have a nice little story. So, in a press release, they said, Landing on the planet Regis 3, you have to find the missing crew members using advanced space equipment while relying on your brains and instincts to survive the planet, which quickly occurs to be um, unwelcoming. Soon you'll discover that Regis 3 holds terrifying secrets, which are uncovered while you're piecing together the fate of your crew. And as you delve deeper into the mystery, you realize that perhaps you are not alone and that some places like this planet are better left untouched, but it's too late to turn back. This is coming from Star Wars Industries, uh, which is comprised of developers from a variety of well-regarded releases, including The Witcher 3 at Dying Light. It, it's promising to have immersive gameplay with a non-linear story shaped by your relations, choices, and persuasive skills. And the game is supposed to come out next year. Um, and it looks pretty cool, uh, not gonna lie. Uh, it kind of has, like, that same vibe as, like, The Outer Worlds, except, obviously, it's not, like, super comedic. Um, so, yeah, it looks, I mean, it has, like, that retro, like, style, like, you know, I think it was back in, like, the 70s or 80s where they had, like, this style of, like, Spaceman, you know, futuristic sci-fi thing. It kind of has that same style to it, so, yeah, I'm interested to see where that goes. And, finally, for today... Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game, has released its full 80s-centered soundtrack. And here's the song list for y'all. If you don't want to listen to this, just like last week, don't want to listen to the Mario Party games, don't want to listen to this, um, <laughs> just skip the rest of the podcast, I guess. Uh, but Blondie's Call Me will be on there. Blue Easter Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper. Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Hot Chocolate, Everyone's a Winner. Wang Chung, everybody have fun tonight. Tears for Fears, everybody wants to rule the world. Europe, the final countdown. New Kids on the Block, Hanging Tough. Pat Benatar, hit me with your best shot. Bonnie Tyler, holding on, out for a hero. Kiss, I love it loud. Flock of Seagulls, I ran. Culture Club, I'll tumble for ya. Motley Crue, kickstart my heart. Simple Minds, love song. Rick Astley's never gonna give you up. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, relax, don't do it. Oh, that's a good one. Def Leppard, Rock, Rock, Till You Drop, Rainbow, Since You've Been Gone, uh, Aha, Take On Me, Soft Cell, Tainted Love, Lover Boy, Turn Me Loose, Autograph, Turn Up the Radio, Wham, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, Scandal, Featuring Patti Smith, The Warrior, 
Starship, we built this city. Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it. And Billy Idol, White Wedding. Seems like a pretty normal list for an 80s soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's some good stuff in here. Blister Cult's always fun. Um, there's some really basic ones on here. Like, uh, how many times have I heard the final countdown? Or I Ran by Flock of Seagulls, you know? I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, they have to put in a little bit of everything for the people, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's a pretty good list. Uh, just FYI, if you're going to plan on streaming this game, uh, you might want to find out if there is a mode to turn on safe streaming mode or whatever it might be called. Uh, they do that in a lot of Ubisoft games now, um, so maybe they'll put that into this game as well. Whew, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ferris 64. I hope you enjoyed. I will see y'all on Monday as we're going to start the thing on the PS2. Uh, this Saturday, probably the day that I'm going to upload this, uh, I'm going to be live on Cratch Tube's game show again. Um, and as you recall, last time I was on the show, I won. So I'm going to play again against someone new, going into it with a little bit less confidence, I guess. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to do, but I would love to see you in the chat and cheer me on. I'd appreciate that. Uh, if I don't see you, I also have other podcasts that I do. Uh, one's called Film Freaks with a Z, where we talk about movies. Uh, the last episode is about the Drunken Master. The next episode is about the Back to the Future trilogy, if you want to check that out when that releases. And, of course, Fubar Ferret is in full swing. There's a new episode coming out pretty much every week this month. Uh, so if you want to check out the latest episode of that, go on and do that. I talked with a retro fellow, which is my first like official full-time guest on the podcast. So check that out. And if you want to check out anything else I do, it's all at Yummy the Ferret, Twitch.tv slash Yummy the Ferret, YouTube, Twitch, I'm sorry, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. It's all the same at Yummy the Ferret. All right, thank you so much, everyone. I am, of course, the titular Yummy the Ferret, aka Yummy. And I'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye.